G'day guys and welcome to Talking Luft. Got a great episode coming up, speaking with my old friend, old teammate, Sam Buley. He's got his own podcast going at the moment, the Social Distance Podcast. So get across there and listen to that. He's talking with Dan Jones and another pro cyclist, George Bennett as well. It's a great podcast, so get across there and have a listen to that. But this week, he's very good behind the mic. He's talking a bit of luft with me. So sit back and enjoy this one, guys. Before we get into the episode, I want to say thanks to everyone out there who got on the luft wagon, got themselves a cap. I am so astounded how quickly they sold out again because I did a massive order and we're down to the very last few. So guys, everyone out there who got a cap, they're on their way and you'll be lufting soon. So without further ado, I bring you the episode, Sam Buley. Next Talking Luft, welcome Samuel Buley. Hey mate, good to be here. Got a life in the Peloton cap on as well. What an appropriate thing to have for Talking Luft. What do you think of the Luft? Mate, it's great. I'm, I'm not real good at Luft. I'm actually terrible at getting it. I think I've got like a, my head's too oval shaped. Like you've got a great shaped head for Luft. <laughs> I really struggle, but um, you know we'll get there. My head's actually not perfect for Luft. I've got a too big a head. You need a pinhead actually. Do you reckon? Yeah, Heyman's got a great luft head. He, yeah. He's got a real pinhead, but it it works well for luft. Yeah, right. I got to work on. I need a mirror. I need a mirror. <laughs> it's pretty good. You got a bit of side on action. I bit, was, I like the fringe out the front as well. Sometimes bit hipster, but it's but yeah, it's a bit hard to do sometimes at times when your hair's are flopping around, <laughs> a shaggy dog. Let's go straight into it. Seeing as we're talking about caps, how do you wear your cap, Sam? How do I wear my cap? Well, I wear it. Um, I always go to a sign-on with a cap on. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like one of my rules, you know. Some guys, they always put their helmets on and that stuff. But even if I'm not coming back to the bus, if I haven't got time, I'll run a cap and the helmet on the handlebars. And I run always peak down. Oh. But I have I have actually moved away from uh, peak up. I was a peak up kind of guy. Yeah. But when I go to sign-on, I always run the, uh, the peak down. Why? What changed? I don't know. Just the mood, maybe. Yeah. I Age? Mean, Age, yeah, it's kept the sun out of my eyes. Can't handle the light the same as I used to. Um, but yeah, always I seem to run peak down at the moment, the last couple of years anyway. What do you do with the hat after you've signed on and then you can't get back to the bus? Well, it was simple pre-COVID, wasn't it? You gave it to someone. You gave it to a little kid or something. Um, at the at the tour this year, I was just binning it with the masks. Binning it? Yeah, well, I, you couldn't give it out. You couldn't give it to anyone. So yeah. when I'd throw the mask away three minutes ago, I chucked the cap in there as well sad sad that's wasteful real, that's real pro-life isn't it <laughs> it's taken for advantage like the material we have binning a casket <laughs> that's the top level pro ciao <laughs> <laughs> all right let's go back a few years and if you and i could have raced back in the era of no helmets we just miss out on that era what would you have done how would you have raced i think i would have probably had to run cat backwards um, uh, if it was raining, I'd run it forward, peak down, mm-hmm. like we do anyway under the helmets. Yep. Um, if it was sunny and you know racing's fast, I think I'd be I'd run it backwards. Uh, maybe peak down if it's a hot day, keep the keep the sun off the neck. Um, 
But yeah, I would have been a backwards a backwards race, for I reckon. I tested out Alan Davis's theory the other day because he was something I wasn't aware of. He said when he used to race hat backwards, he said he used to flick the peak up at the back because when you sprint out of the seat, the brim actually hits the back of your neck. And I was like, oh, I, I couldn't actually imagine it. Mm. So I had to go out, test it out. Happened? Happened. Really? You've got to have the brim up for that reason if you have it down you can't be a sprinter you just have to be like a cruiser yeah right because as soon as you get out of the seat the way your neck goes the brim hits the back of your neck and it's pretty annoying forces a cap up over your eyes probably well it actually <laughs> just sort of forces the brim in up yeah right <laughs> so, <laughs> so forces your brim up those modern, modern day problems we don't have them with helmets eh? <laughs> next question favourite race my favourite race undoubtedly is Tour of Flanders um, I was thinking about this earlier and I was thinking, you know, Flanders is this weekend and, you know, they talk about Super Bowl Sunday in America. In Belgium, it's Super Bowl, it's Tour of Flanders Sunday. Mm. Like, the, I don't know the numbers, but I know they're crazy. It's like two-thirds of that country watch that race. Nothing else is on. That Sunday, every year in April, is reserved for Tour of Flanders and the whole country is watching. And it's just a, it's just the holy grail of bike racing in a country where bike racing is the biggest. You know, mm. we're so used to we're being a minority sport in, in basically every country around the world, but we're not in Belgium. You know, like you get on trains. We're, we've had times before we've landed at Brussels Airport and got on a train and um, to go to the to the hotel or whatever, and the people are like, "Oh, you're here for the Ronda." Yeah. You know, they they love it. And you see that on the road, the, the climbs are chocker, they're all pissed drunk, and I just love the atmosphere, you know. Would you like to go back and watch it yourself? Mate, I thought about going back this year to watch yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not racing anymore, but you can't with COVID. But I definitely will. Uh, I've mm. spoken about it with a few guys. don't know if I've spoken about it with you, but definitely a few guys that when I'm retired, I'd love to get the, the boys together mm. and go do like a, a weekend watching Flanders and, and just living that life, getting on the... Quaramon having some beers and be sweet. It'd be great. And you'd also know something I've thought about too. There's the obvious points, the Quaramon, you know, the Pardesberg. But I'd, I think there'd also be some good little spots that we would know that wouldn't be overly packed that we'd go, oh, you know what? Just before, let me just even think of a spot. Well, maybe you wouldn't want to be on the top of, well, maybe. Valkenberg or something. Yeah, or you know, like another little climb that you would just be like, much more closer to the riders yeah because this happened to me a few years ago when i was living in the south of belgium and amsel came right past in my house i went to just a little climb near the three point zone there was no one there so we could actually you know yell out to the riders mm. like yeah get out mate you know yeah. so you got a little bit of interaction yeah um that's what i think it'd be cool to go back to belgium because we'd know the roads better exactly than, and we'd know. know the shortcuts if we wanted to cut across and see them see them another point or whatever but yeah mate that race i love it i mm. love it i love doing it um, obviously it's pretty gnarly uh, pretty tough but yeah just the crowds are huge uh, you know that the whole of Belgium if they're not on the, if they're not on roadside they've got a couple of leffers or a couple of duvels and they're you know into their fritz and watching at home on TV so it's just the holy grail of bike racing and, and the holy grail of countries that's a good call very good call alright on the training what's your favourite training session or hardest session that you can remember um, my favourite training session is probably a pretty boring one. It's just an endurance ride, you mm. know. Uh, if you can get a, 
especially in modern cycling now, it's so hard to train with people because cycling is so specific. The training sessions are so specific. So to link up with a couple of the boys to go out for a cruise, it's almost a rare, mm. rare occurrence. So when we can, uh, and you know, this time of year or in, into the when the preseason starts, uh, it's always a good opportunity. And just to go out, if it's a nice day, roll around the hills or around the flat or wherever you want, around the coast here in, in Girona, we're lucky. Big unstru- a big unstructured yeah, group ride. Exactly, yeah. no pressure. It doesn't mm. matter if you push hard or want to push easy. Just just out enjoying it with the guys. Mm. That's that's my favourite type of training session. Um, and harder, so I mate, there's a bloody list of them. Just about every second day these days, isn't it? Five by five. But five by five to me, undoubtedly, yeah. because I just used to get scarred by them so much on the yeah. track. Yeah. You know, like on the track, we do them. Well, they'd be four by fours on the track, but you do two sets of them, and they were just, they're just horrible. So four by four minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Times two. Oh. Two, two sets. sets. Horrible. Horrible, mate. What was the recovery in between? Uh, we used about 20 minutes between sets, I think. Yeah. And well, standard track style, just sitting down in the middle of the pits. Did you do four minutes on, four, four minutes, minutes off, off as a team's pursuit? Yeah. Oh. And we do two sets of four, yeah. So it was. What a, would you do in the off? Just roll easy together? No, nah, we used formation? to get picked up by the motorbike from memory. Oh, yeah, so it's, it's active recovery. Still on the pedals, yeah. Like probably 300 watts or I don't know, but, you know, not hard, but you've just... And the, on the track, you're always doing 130, 140 RPM, and oh, it was a horrible session, mate. It was horrible. I don't think I ever finished one in my whole track career, <laughs> ever. So what happens if you'd called three in one of the efforts? Did you have to loop back in in the recovery period? Well, yeah, you did. You had to get back in for the next effort, yeah. which was four minutes later. But if you were drop, which I was frequently in these, I was encouraged still by the coach to continue like just by myself like just chase the team because otherwise i wasn't getting the stimulus you know like if i was dropped after two minutes then i might do four by two minutes as opposed to four by four minutes so i'd just spend half the half the day just chasing the team pursuit team around the track oh my god until the whistle blew and then you'd swing back in for the recovery exactly oh my gosh all right change of tact favorite drink alcoholic or non-alcoholic up to you well alcoholic then um just beer mate i love it yeah i like i obviously really enjoy wine uh i don't mind a gin and tonic quite partial to a gin and tonic Mm. at the uh, end of the night or on a summer's afternoon what kind of gin i was a big hendrix man for a long time Um, slice of cucumber slice of cucumber but i've sort of gone a bit off the hendrix now and here in catalonia there's a there's a massive range of Mm. gins it's pretty popular so yeah i quite like a number of the local catalan gins uh nut is one that i quite like um, what do they mix that with? Because they're pretty crazy with their whole mixes. Like, yeah, this, you know. is, this is a pretty simple one. There's no fruits or berries or anything crazy like that. It's just Cinnamon uh, stick or something. Nah, standard. nah, it's nothing. It's quite a dry gin, so oh. just a bit of lemon or yeah, oh. whatever. Even cucumber as well. Um, but yeah, just push comes to shove, gun to my head. It's always a beer. I enjoy a beer. Even if I'm having a, you know, we do wine club sometimes or... We go out for, to a nice restaurant where you're going to have meat and red wine. Always start with a beer. Mm. Um, I, I can't just go straight into red wine or white wine or whatever. You've got to wet the whistle. Always, yeah, wet the whistle. A little, mm. little caña, a little cold beer. Um, so Alhambra for me, local. Oh. Uh, well, Spanish beer from the south, from Granada. That'd be my, my favorite beer, I reckon. Yeah, green bottle, if anyone knows that. It's a beautiful beer. It's just that little bit more percentage-wise. Mm. Was it 5.5% is it? Well, I think it might be up around 6, yeah, but yeah. more than 6 even. It's just that nice amount without going over t- over the top and also without being too weak. 
It's just a great beer, yeah. It's just like one of those beers. I mean, I do like the IPAs and the Crafties at times, and I like the Belgian beers at times, but the Alhambra is a, it's any day of the year, any time of the day kind of beer. Mm. It's not just a breakfast beer. <laughs> it's not just... Well, it can be a wet the whistle, <laughs> yeah. but it also can be both. That's it, yeah. Like I say, any time of day. Speaking of which, let's get a cold beer. Yeah, let's do it. Beautiful, that's better. Beautiful. Are you a coffee stop guy when you go out riding? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm not a coffee stop guy when I'm in the pre-season back in New Zealand. Oh. Purely because, um, well, for two reasons. One, I train by myself always. And two, there's no coffee shops. Uh, we're training in the in rural Bay of Plenty in New Zealand. There's nothing, mate. There's nothing. So I only stopped for, to fill the bottles up at the local school, the local rural school. Um, but here in here in Europe, yeah, frequently, frequently coffee stops. What about back when you get back to Rotorua and you get a brew just before you get home? From the ride, don't yeah. stop on the way home. Um, I'm not really a fan of that personally. Like literally the coffee shop outside your house. I'm like, oh, I'll just go home now. Yeah, I don't do it because yeah. the same thing. I'm by myself. I actually prefer to go home, drop the bike off, have a shower, and then head into town for lunch or something, mm. you know, or go grab some sushi and, and go call around to the mate's bike shop and have a have a brew and some sushi with him or something. So, no, nah, I don't. I never stop at the coffee shop. At, 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 I stop at this BP, maybe, grab a... Shake-a-rama. Yeah, or grab a passion fruit bundy or something. Oh. Uh, or ginger beer. But no, I don't stop for brew. But here, here in Europe, yeah, well, pretty much, yeah, I'd say... Two thirds of the time, we stop and have a have a quick coffee. If, whether it's after efforts or something, you know, get you home a little espresso, or if it's an endurance ride, you might stop for a bit longer, have a sandwich. Well, yeah. What do you get when you stop? Are you a sweet or a savoury man? You get a chalky croy, or you get a big bocadillo? Savoury. I'm savoury. Never been a sweet man. Mm. No, never been a sweet man. So I'm always a big ham and cheese sanger. Uh, <laughs> And a little coffee. I always get the caffeine knock as well, though, after. Because yeah. if it's hot, I have a Coke first up. It's like the beer. It's like wet the whistle with the Coke, then have a sandwich, and then have an espresso to get out the door. And then about 10k down the road, I get I get the caffeine knock. And it's like it's like the hunger flat, but you can still push. You know, it's just like your head's floating away from your shoulders. I never learn, though. Tell everyone about the new little gem you've found. And we're always in search of the best Bocadillo and eventually we gave up because we had searched and searched and searched and we had our places and everything was good. But then all of a sudden, there's a new contender. Tell us about the new sandwich king you found here in Catalonia. Yeah, well, I think it's the leading contender yeah. from all the box I've come across. I guess it took, it took us a long time to find it because it's a little bit off the beaten track. Uh, I mean, it's a c- common training ground, but you have to sort of veer off the, the roads that you would ride to find it. And like you say, we sort of gave up on looking, searching for the best box, didn't we? Because we had our stops and mm. it was, you know, when you're in this town, it's where you, where you ate. But yeah, I found this one in, um, in Powell's out in, in the north here, in the Emporah. Little, uh, little French, it's a little French restaurant actually. Beautiful, Is it? really friendly staff. Um, came across that when we came out of lockdown, one of the first rides back. Uh, and yeah, it's, I think it's leading contender for this ham, cheese and the tortilla, the, the omelette. Uh, Bocadillo. Why so? Tell us about the oh, sandwich. Just the egg. The, yeah. the egg runs down your forearm when you yeah. take a bite. You know, it's just like oh, it's just like medium rare egg almost. Beautifully <laughs> runny yolk. It's omelette, but it's like just being cooked to perfection. You take a bite and it runs down your forearm, and 
the bread they use is good. Maybe they're getting, maybe they're nipping across the border and grabbing it from France because French bread is much better than Spanish bread, as we know. It's a big trip. It's, uh, a, it's a big nip. <laughs> it's a big nip. It's a 60k nip across the border. Yeah. But it's worth it because yeah. his box unreal. <laughs> it's very good. It's very big. It's a. I try to come home and have lunch after my ride that day, and right. I was had to push the lunch to the side because the box was still kicking. It's a 1500 kj box stop, I reckon. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Moving on, what coffee do you drink? What are you? Are you a black man or you start with the cappuccinos and what's your coffee rituals? I'm not, surprisingly being a bike rider, I'm not a massive coffee man. Mm. Um, I enjoy a coffee, but I enjoy the fact that I I just need one. You know, not re- I'm not really into the, I've never been into the rocket machines or the aero presses and that stuff. I just don't know why, I just haven't got into it. So I'm pretty simple when it comes to coffee. I wake up in the morning, I make myself a big French press and I just drink two cups of cups of black tradesman coffee, I guess you call it. Nothing, mm. No fancy beans, just what I buy at the supermarket. Uh, and well, then you just get the bonker beans here. Yeah, yeah, or whatever I come across, Cornea. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. We just had a Cornea before this beer, actually. Make sure you'll be yeah. pinging for the next few hours. It's <laughs> strong, the old Cornea. It is. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I just have a couple of those in the morning. And then, yeah, espresso maybe on the ride. Um, and that's really it for today. Sometimes if I go out for lunch, I might have a Cortado, which is yeah, like a macchiato, is it? And yeah, or, or piccolo latte. Piccolo, yeah. yeah. Just, but not a big milk drinker with coffee. Mm. The good thing about your theory there is when you go out, just say you brew up this amazing brew at home with this, you know, organic beautifully tasting beans as soon as you go out and have a coffee anywhere in spain you get scarred again whereas if you just keep the level at the spanish level Mm. it's okay when you go out and have coffee because you're just you're you're in that vibe you're not continually popping up popping down popping up it's like you know i'm just going to keep it at that level that's it and the taste you know you don't become accustomed like i'm accustomed to shit tasting coffee that's what i mean so i'm never back-footed i'm never back-footed it's like you're not going to go and have three IPAs and then and then drink a lager, you know, because mm. all of a sudden it feels like you're drinking. I don't know if I can swear on the show, but you know what I mean, mm. you know. Like so, I'm, I just run the low level. Low Are you ex- happy with that? Low expectations and then over deliver at times. Lockie Morton even went lower than that. He just goes um, instant coffee now. Yes, cafe. Instant. And then when he goes out, he treats himself to a Spanish espresso. <laughs> That's good. That's a great theory, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you train with a group or alone? Uh, well, like we touched on before, yeah. Like modern modern training, it's quite hard to train with people. Uh, when we came out of out of lockdown as well this year, uh, we weren't allowed to train with people. Mm. Well, we were only allowed really small groups or whatever it was. I can't really remember anymore. But um, so yeah, it was hard to have group rides then. And then once we got back training and the and the, the race calendar started to creep up on us. Training was pretty specific, wasn't it? So it was hard to get out with mm. group rides, but I I always try to train with someone if I can. I prefer it. Yeah. I always prefer to, to ride with someone. Uh, but yeah, the, I think we've almost seen the death of a group ride this year in a sense, unfortunately, sadly. Yeah. I, it'll come back. It'll come back. And the preseason, the preseason's not far away. And with a lot of us staying over here this year, uh, we'll have good opportunities to mm. maybe do group rides on our gravel bikes and uh, things like that. Uh but yes, I always prefer to ride with someone. Hmm. Uh, you know, I always do normally ride with George Bennett or, or Hippie or someone like that. Sort of keep it to 
same cars or yeah, you or Durbo or whatever. It always ends up happening like that. You've got your two or three guys you train with, then you've probably got four or five others that you occasionally train with. Mm. And then there's one guy you might ride with once a year. Well, you just have you just you just find your pairing, you yeah. Know, that's on the same timetable, guys. Who same wanna, speed you train at. Yeah, same speed you train at. They might, you know, you find your guys that might want to ride at nine. I find my guys that might want to ride at ten thirty, or you know. So it's just mm. how it goes. Sweet. Speaking of training, what is your favourite training loop? All time loop? Is it something over back in Rotorua? Is it Spain? Maybe something back in when you lived in Boulder. Yeah, Boulder actually had some great loops. Uh, but my favorite loop would be back in Rotorua. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that it's my favorite because it's actually quite a busy loop, especially when, you know, we're, we're, in, we're back home in New Zealand, Australia in the summer. So this loop is quite a busy loop because it's the, what I call the coast loop. Mm-hmm. Or, and um, you go from Rotorua and you head across to, the, to Tauranga, which is on the coast there. Okay. And then you ride all the way along the coastline for about... 50k and then you do and it's quite busy that road which is is it hilly or flat it's flat and then you'd run along the coastline for about 50k and halfway through the loop you do a big climb and you pop over into all the lakes so oh. where Rotorua is there's there's about 15 or 20 lakes in the region of Rotorua so it's it's a really cool loop that you 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 start on basically you hit you're at the coast in an hour then you run the coastline for a couple of hours and then you climb this climb and then you run all the way through about four or five different lakes back into Rotorua. So was it lumpy on the way back through the lakes? It's lumpy on the way back. Mm. It's a beautiful loop though, like yeah, just scenic. Uh, the only downfall is, yeah, it is a bit busy at times with traffic. But yeah, it's and it's really the only big loop I can do from home. It's, it's sort of anywhere from 160 to 220 depending on Ooh. how far down the coastline you go. So yeah, it's a good five, five or six and a half to five to six and a half hour loop. Um but yeah, that that'd probably be my favourite. Just the, sort of the stalwart endurance uh, loop that I grew up with, and mm. still get nostalgic thinking of it. You know, you go home and do it a couple of times every year, and I mean the loops here are awesome, but they're common. You know, so it's yeah, sort of a bit of a rare couple of times a year sort of thing. Would you see Julian Dean out on that loop? Is that his old loop? Did he show you that loop back in the day? He did show me that loop. Did he? Well, no, did he show me that loop? I don't know if he did. Nah, maybe he didn't, but it was his loop, one of his loops, and he's actually he's actually fortuitous because he has a beach house on the coast road. Ah. So if he wants, he can bail out sixty or seventy k, <laughs> and uh, I've got to head back to the big smoker Rotorua. <laughs> but uh, it's it, yeah, it is a common loop for him, uh, and I have done a number of laps of the coast loop with with JD over the years. So that's nah, good. It's a good loop. I do actually uh, with mates, a couple of mates. They always they're always up for. I've I've got a mate at home. He used to be a mechanic for Garmin actually years ago, and he he just you know he's just a weekend warrior. But he every every summer I'm home as well. It's like all right, mate, one coast loop, one coast loop, and he'll come out and he'll fucking bonk two or three times, and it's good fun. I love it. <laughs> Sweet, very good. All right, what's your what's your cheat meal? Get back from the grandy. Ah, that's it. Off season. What is it? Um. Probably nachos, I reckon, oh. which are very hard to come by in Europe or in Girona, certainly. Yeah. Actually, can you even... I wouldn't even know where. Nah, there's not really... Not not, not the nachos that I want, you know, yeah. or the nachos that we're thinking of like with mints and beans and sour cream and guacamole and jalapenos and all the trunes, you know. Um, you can find them certainly in the UK at the pub or whatever. But that, that would be my cheat meal. I do love... I love a chili con carne, so the fact that I can combine it with some corn chips and the liter of sour cream um 
yeah, I love it. So it would be my cheat meal, but it'd be a homemade nacho setup. Uh, and then just wallow on the couch for a few hours later and try wash it down with a couple of Hendrix or whatever. You did a mini cooking series during the uh, lockdown. Did nachos make that series? I can't remember now. I don't think so. No, I'm pretty va- I'm pretty fuzzy on what I cook those <laughs> shows. <laughs> um, but I don't think I did nachos actually. Oh, that's a sad thing. You could bring it back out. Maybe I could do a one-off special edition nachos. You should do, nachos yeah. You should show. go, you know what? Bring it back, my favourite meal, off-season cooking series. I've actually got a poncho here. So if I go get myself a big sombrero. They're easily found, actually, in the $2 shop here. Shave a ma- uh, moustache in. Do it. Arriba. <laughs> All right, best bike. Best bike. I haven't ridden a lot. Um, I rode Trex for a long, long time, and then I've ridden Scots now since then. Um, but I think if I was to buy an old bike... Uh, you know, or, or a bit of a cruiser. Probably my favourite bike growing up when I was a kid and one of my mates had it was Colnago C40. Ooh. Really loved it. You know, I loved the paint jobs they did back then, mm. you know, and, and they you obviously had the Mapai paint jobs of Taffy and those guys, um, Museo. But, you know, they did they did quite cool paint jobs, mm. you know, like different different colours every year, really. Uh, so, yeah, Colnago C40 or Colnago Dream, I, I love those bikes when I was... I don't even know them. What are they? The dreams, yeah. Oh, they were they were they were sort of a bit more modern. They sort of came in a bit a, like in the oh, yeah, but after the C forties. She was because then there was the C fifty that I remember. Mm. Rubberbank Road because I said that to Heyman, I was like, oh, you had the C forty. He goes, I had C fifty. So it was a dream after that, was the it? The dream was after, or maybe just a parallel model. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, a friend of mine had one of them. But yeah, I think if, if I was to search eBay now to find a retro bike, I'd probably be search typing in. Colnago C40 or something like that, I reckon. Mm, nice. All right, well, I've got a new question or a new idea for Talking Luft, and I thought I'd test it out with you. I'm not exactly sure of the exact question yet because this, I thought maybe Groupetto talk or Groupetto stories or even onto a story because I thought, well, you and I have probably got good Groupetto stories, but then I was thinking, hang on, not everyone rides Groupetto because Groupetto doesn't really exist anymore. So, for your case today, it is Groupetto's story or it is an on-the-tour story that you want to bring up, something that you remember. could be a fond memory, could be a funny memory, could be a really shit memory. Something that we're not going to know about. What's your story, Bewley? Look, there is a long list of them. Um, Groupetto stories, yeah, they're sort of all run a bit of a version of a theme these days half the time it's a groupetto story is just yelling at everybody to make groupetto Hmm. because yeah like like you touched on these days everyone's just trying to be in the group in front um but a story probably that comes to mind and it comes from the giro because they always do uh was 2015 giro d'italia and the reason i thought of this was actually because i was doing this show with you and i was thinking back to a story I remember of you at the 2018 Giro mm-hmm. in the Groupetto. And we did a stage in 2015, which we did almost exactly the same in 2018 with you. So it was 2015 and it was stage 19. And the race had been just bullshit hard. It was the year that Contador and Aru and Nibali were just going like toe-to-toe every day. We're like It was a two-team two race and everyone else was just hanging on for three weeks. And... Uh, we got to stage 20 and it was 
220k it was like a seven and a half hour day or something three like 100k flat in this valley with it where astana were just pulling like mad men and we had these three 20k climbs that we did in 2018 on stage 20 oh that day yeah 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 right and um oh it's a hell of a day yeah and but that 2018 was shorter we did 100k prior to climbs in 2015 it was a huge day and i managed to hang on up the first climb pretty well and then then i dropped just before the top of it and then i was by myself just did the descent by myself uh and then i caught up to scarbu who's now on our team um uh caught up to him on the second climb who was he running for he was with lamprey then so then it was me and him and there was another guy there that i can't remember who and then we were two or three um two-thirds of the way up the second climb hour-long climb and you just looked down the hill and you couldn't see anyone man like it was just or you might see that a dot of one person 10 hairpins down below you and then i just heard Bios! Bios! I looked down like two or three hairpins and it was Durbo just, just by himself. He's like, wait for me. There's probably still like 70k to go or something. We saw another climb after this sucker. So we waited for Durbo and then it got to, so then it was me, Scarbu, Durbo and this other guy, I can't remember who it was now. And um, and we were, we were quite a bit in front of the group header and quite a way behind the front. So we were just had to commit to like 70k to go. Another still 30k of climbing just this four-man group and we're like six hours in or you know we're staring in the barrel of close to eight hour day and then i remember coming to the bottom of the last climb and and i was just like i don't know if i can do it i'm so hunger flat and then um i remember saying to scarbu like oh have you got any food and he's like oh he gave me a couple of gels i managed to get a couple of gels into me and then we're chugging away out this last climb and we're just on our absolute knees and then we came and we we started catching up to Fumi Bipu. Oh, yeah. And uh, he was on trick at the time. He was having a day out. He was having a day. I think he might have been the break or something. And we caught him on this hairpin with about 4K to go. And we came past him like... We came past him like he was standing still and we were barely moving. Yeah. And he was like, do you have some food? <laughs> and I was like, no, nah, man, every man for themselves. <laughs> he was like, he wasn't even going to make it. And then 3K to go, I said to Durba, I was like, mate, I can't ride my bike anymore. Like... I can't, I can't do it. Like, I'm so rooted. Yeah. I, I said, I'm just going to ride as hard as I can from here to the finish. Like, I'm just going to go as hard as I possibly can. Because even if it means I get to the finish line 45 seconds quicker. I just I, need to just do I, my thing. I just need to get to the yeah. finish and get off my bike. So I just started going as hard as I could. And <laughs> I was doing like 250 watts or something. <laughs> Dude, but I was just riding next to me like, what are you doing, bro? <laughs> when are you going to go hard? Yeah. And then we got to the finish. We got on the bus and like, we we're just on it. We're just absolutely rooted. And, and then Hippie came in about uh, 20 minutes later in the group pedo and he'd, he'd done an eight-hour day or something. Uh, I think the winner was seven hours and they were eight hours or something. And I came back from the shower and Hippie was just sitting in the seat behind me on the bus like trying to stuff the sandwich into his face and he just started crying. And I was like, he just started weeping. <laughs> and I was like, are you all right, bro? He's like, I'm fine. I just... I'm just so tired. <laughs> I just can't. Like, there's nothing wrong with me, but I'm just, I'm just so tired. I, I just, I need to like, weep. <laughs> I'm uncontrollably crying. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. But it was a, that was a big day out. That was, yeah. And there's been plenty of those stories. Um, but that was sort of one that I often talk about when I talk about the Giro. Oh my god. 
big yeah. day. I think so, I think Derb and I were like fiftieth on the stage and like forty five minutes behind or something kidding. crazy. Like that. It was mental, man. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, let's, we should have put that as a last question. And our last question now is quarantine revelation. What's the lockdown revelation? And you did lockdown solo. You live on your own, so I think that was probably the most the hardest situation. Um, what did you come out of lockdown? What changed you for better or for worse? What did you learn out of it? Uh, I think you, you hit the nail on the head, Mitch. Being solo put me in a position that if I wanted to not go crazy and not talk to the plant in the corner of the room I had to reach out to people and and get in touch with friends and I'm notoriously pretty bad at keeping in touch with people uh back home or if I'm if I'm back in New Zealand I'm bad at keeping in touch with people over here you know I'm sort of I keep in touch pretty daily with my friends that I'm around but if I'm away from them then I'm, I'm quite bad at keeping in touch with them I just you know I've got good mates back home in Rotorua that I just I say bye in February and then I don't talk to them mm. and I just give them a call when I'm home in December and then we take off like we like I never left, you know. But it really sort of made me realise I should actually be keeping in touch with these people. Mm. You know, I should be talking to my family more and I was in a position that, like I said, I was by myself so I wanted to communicate with people, I wanted to talk to people whether it was on Zoom or whatever. But um, that was a revelation for me going, actually, why do I feel the need that I just don't talk to these people for 10 months. Mm. So I started reaching out to mates that I, you know, and actually organizing, um, you know, pub pub chats or whatever like that everybody was doing, but with people back in New Zealand that I normally wouldn't do it with. And and then uh, that, and reaching out to friends that I haven't spoken to for a, for a long time mm. uh, and talking to them and, and sort of um, reigniting some friendships as well, virtually. Mm. But yeah. it just, you know, like I just had no no reason not to. And, and I was actually like, oh, I wonder what this person's up to. And I'd give them a buzz. Hmm. And and so that's probably a revelation for me is coming out of lockdown is keep in touch with people more, you know, like there's no excuse not to, in this modern era of technology, not to keep in touch with your mates and because you always have a good time talking to them. Yeah, you're just a lazy bastard. Yeah, just lazy, you yeah. know, and, and the time zones and all that stuff and you go, oh, it's got to be a morning call or a night call or, you know, hmm. um, but yeah, no, that, that would be the thing that's changed most for me coming out of lockdown is you know, communication and keep in touch with people. Nice, yeah. mate. Thanks for coming on Talking Loft. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the cap. Cheers, mate. Love it. Well, I hope you enjoyed Sam there. He had some great stories. I hope you enjoyed the new question too. I think I'm going to call it War Stories because I feel like that's what it is. Good stories, bad stories, stories from out on the road. It's a new question for Talking Luft. Send in your response. Send in your feedback. I want to hear your feedback Feedback about the questions. I'm thinking about adding a few little questions, maybe taking a few out. It's been fun doing Talking Luft. So, guys, I hope you've enjoyed the last few episodes. Coming up next week on the Cycling Podcast, there's going to be a great episode there. So, make sure you get across and listen to our normal podcast over there. But until then, two weeks' time, there'll be another Talking Luft. So, hang in there. I want to say also thanks for Lara behind the scenes who's been helping a lot with all those caps going out and all the other things that happens at Life in the Peloton as well. So thanks, Lara. And guys, thanks again for buying those caps. I'm looking forward to seeing you posting pictures of you guys with some epic luft. Until then, cheers. Cheers.